0: This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. It's an odd, it's an odd animal, isn't it, to give, give praise to a lamb. It's not in its own right, if you see a lamb in a field, it's not necessarily, well, majestic is not a phrase that you'd use if you were watching a lamb in a Uh, in a field or running around it might look lively or it might look young or innocent but majestic awesome none of those words necessarily spring to mind but when we understand what it means to be the Lamb of God and what the Passover Lamb represents then we understand the power and the significance of the Lamb and why it's so important why in Revelation it seems to be as much as the King of Glory Jesus is referred to as the Lamb on the throne and um, and uh, we're going to read a few little chunks of, of scripture and then um, I've got just some things I'd like to pull out from, from the Passover meal and, and some of the things I believe God wants us to focus on this morning as we take this meal together. So if you turn in your Bibles firstly to Matthew 26, please. And then also get a, a finger in, a, in a Exodus because we're going to go back to Exodus in a moment as well. you're part of things here or maybe in other other churches and you've uh, taken breaking bread, then these verses will be familiar to you. Um, But we mustn't let familiarity breed contempt. There's always power in the Scriptures. There's always power in the Word of God. There's always the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to inspire something new and fresh. And I trust God does that this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would just bring fresh revelation to us this morning. of the power and the impact of this incredible meal that we're going to share together. It says in verse 17 of Matthew 26, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you'll see a certain man tell him, the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12 disciples. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one, Lord? He replied, One of you who has just eaten from this bowl will betray me. And he asked, For the Son of Man must die, and the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, You have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. When Jesus and his disciples were celebrating this Passover meal, it was a, a feast and a meal and a celebration that Jewish people had observed and held every year for Over a thousand years and more. Book of Exodus and and the kind of the time of the Exodus was around 1500 BC, and we pick up the Jesus with his disciples here around 30 AD. So 1500 years. Every year, Jewish people gathered together for this very important feast. That was the culmination of a week of celebrations and remembering how God had delivered them out of Egyptian slavery. And not only out of Egyptian slavery, but into the land that God had promised them. It was a very significant meal. If you were Jewish, there were four things that really mattered above all others. Circumcision for men was number one. A true Jew was circumcised uh, as, as early as 10 days old. Their diet was so important, they were considered what they ate. They took care of observing the Sabbath. Every Saturday was to be kept. Completely free of work, so they could remember the Lord. And Passover, these four things were a very, very important, of great, utmost uh, importance to Jewish people of the time. When the writer to the Hebrews writes, he writes to a Christian Jewish audience and he says, Jesus is the culmination of all of these things. Don't go back to circumcision, don't go back to, to all of these things, but remember that Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the greatest part of all the things that we could ever remember. But if we go back to Exodus 13, this if like, describes the, the initiation of this incredible feast and this meal that Jesus and his disciples are enjoying. If I can use the word enjoying together, the, the day before Jesus goes to be crucified or on the evening of his crucifixion, before his crucifixion. And if you turn to Exodus 13, this, this is setting the scene for us. God's people, the Jews are in Egyptian captivity. They'd gone there with Joseph, And with Jacob and the tribes had moved in, and they'd gone there with great favor, but the Pharaoh had forgotten what God had done and who these people were, and now they were enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And God calls Moses, this picture of Jesus, to deliver them from slavery. And it says in Exodus 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn Among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belong to me. And at this point, God has already sent nine of the ten plagues that he sends on on Egypt to bring the people out. Moses says to the people, this is a day to remember forever. This was a really significant meal, a really significant time. He said, you need to remember this forever. In Luke Uh, 22 when Jesus is is with his disciples he says take this meal to remember me do this in remembrance of me it's important that we remember what God has done this is a day to remember forever the day you left Egypt the place of your slavery today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand remember eat no food containing yeast on this day in early spring in the month of Abib what a great name for a month You have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month, each year after the Lord brings you out of the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites. He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. For seven days, the bread you eat must be without yeast. Then on the seventh day, celebrate a feast to the Lord. Eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast Uh, sorry, there must be no yeast bread or any yeast at all within the borders of your land during this time. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children, I'm celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you, like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord with a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills his promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all your firstborn sons, your firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a young lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does this all mean? And you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Three times he uses that phrase, the Lord brought us out with his mighty hand from that place of slavery. It was to remind them constantly, God has done it. God has delivered. God has rescued. God is awesome. God is powerful. God has delivered us to remind ourselves, to remind our children of the things that God has done for us. And we know, don't we, when we read in, in 1 Corinthians and Paul talks about taking this meal in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, examine yourselves, make sure that there's nothing in you that, need, that, that is sinful or wrong, and make sure that you put things right. When we were praying together this morning, Andy brought the scripture from 2 Corinthians about being given a ministry of reconciliation, And that God has reconciled us to himself... ...but also we are to reconcile people to God and to ourselves... ...and we're to guard our relationships with one another. And part of this meal is a point of examining myself to say... ...firstly, God, there's nothing between you and I. There's nothing between you and me, God. There's no sin. There's no yeast. There's there's nothing in me that is going to cause offense to you. I'm dealing with it right now. I'm examining myself and making sure that I'm clean. But I'm also checking but my relationships with others are right as well. And it's clear that if there's any issues between, particularly Christian brothers and sisters, before we take this meal, we put them right before we take the meal. This is an opportunity to, to put things right, to make sure there's no yeast in the land. You know, they, it was wonderful because if you look for yeast in your own house, and your own garden and you deal with your own property and your own household and where the yeast might be there and all the other people are doing the same the land is soon rid of the yeast I don't have to go and check other people's houses they're doing their home, their place I'm doing mine and before you know it the whole land is eradicated of any sin or any yeast there would be an offence to God and that's part of the body that's why this is so important that I say on my behalf I'm calling an account before God I'm saying Holy Spirit examine me test me so there's nothing there You do that, I do that, and God says, there's no yeast in the land. It's a big ask, isn't it? No yeast in the land at all, within your borders. And then if we go back to Exodus 6, that's the first thing that we examine ourselves. But I want to just consider these four statements. Every Passover, the week leading up, they were to eradicate the yeast and get rid of it, which was a representation of sin and things that weren't right. They were to deal with that. They were to eat bread without yeast in it. And then on the day of the feast, they were ready. They prepared themselves to enjoy this feast together as a family. This is a feast that we're enjoying together as a family this morning. And this is what they had to remember. They went through a process of, they called it a a meal of four cups. There were four things that they remembered together together as a family, about what God had done. And they are all hinged. They all um, rest on these four statements that God says, I will, I will, I will, I will. This is the table of God saying, I will, this morning. So Exodus 6, verse 6. says, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you, or... Uh, More accurately, I will bring you out from your burdens. Bring you from under the burdens. I will free you from your oppression. That's number one. Secondly, he says, I will rescue you. Or other versions say, and more accurately, I will deliver you from your slavery. So he says, I will free you, I'll release you, I'll bring you out from under your burdens. I will do that. And I will deliver you from your slavery. And then thirdly, he says, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. And lastly, I will claim you as my own people. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. For I wills. And what would happen was during the the, the feast, the host of the feast, that might have been the father or the head of the household or whatever it might have been, would have... Um, had four cups and he would have started the evening, the food would have been prepared, the bread would have been prepared, there was roast lamb, smell of roast lamb filled the room. If only we could get some roast lamb in this morning, but maybe later. And there's four cups and he would bless the four cups on behalf of everybody. And then he'd wash his hands. And then he would take the bread that had no yeast in it and he would break it in two. And then half of the, this, this piece of bread, is very odd, would be taken away and hidden somewhere in the house. And then they would all drink from that first cup. And then as they uh, drink from that first cup, they would tell the story of the Passover. And so the story that we read, in, in, um, particularly in, in Exodus 12 and 13, of how God had delivered them and, and how the lamb was sacrificed... And how when the lamb was killed, the blood was taken and it was painted on the doorposts of God's chosen people. And as this blood had covered the doorposts, when the angel of death came to destroy and kill the firstborn, they were preserved and protected from death and judgment. And how the lamb itself was cooked and eaten and it gave them strength for the journey that they were about to embark upon. And they would tell the story of the the Passover um, and, and the history behind it and enjoy the meal together. And then they would take a second cup and everybody would wash their hands and they would eat bitter herbs and then they would enjoy the main meal. The lamb would come out and they'd eat the lamb together and they'd enjoy the meal together. And during that time, a a a child from the house would go and find the bread and bring the bread back and they would break the bread together and eat together and enjoy the third cup. They would drink the third cup of wine. And then they would begin to read the Psalms. If you turn to Psalm 113. Psalm 113 to 118. These Psalms are called the great, or the Hallel Psalms, where we get our phrase hallelujah, the praise Psalms. And they start Psalm 113 with praise the Lord. Through to Psalm 118, where they sing together, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. That incredible refrain. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And then finally they take the fourth cup and during this time they would sing together and they'd they'd sing hymns and they particularly sing Psalm 136. The great Hallel where time and again they would sing give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And then they'd sing something about the attributes of God or what God had done for them and follow it by the line his faithful love endures forever. want to turn to the person next to you and say, his faithful love endures forever. And then maybe the person on the other side of you, his faithful love endures forever. But that's what we're remembering this morning, is how his faithful love endures forever. He's a faithful God. He's a wonderful saviour. And he's the lamb that we are remembering this morning. And firstly, I want to say this. God says this, I will bring you out. I will bring you out. Exodus 6, verse 6. I will bring you out from under the burdens. You know, they were told to make bricks and, and, and then bricks without straw. And they labored hard to build houses and build uh, and construct things that they weren't going to get any benefit from whatsoever. It was just hard work. And it was enforced Labor. And God says, I'm gonna bring you out from doing that. You know what? We've lived our whole lives, haven't we? Working and building something that was never really gonna mean anything if God's not involved. It's empty, it's dead. The Bible talks about them, I mean dead works. Hard work, hard labor that has no benefit for us whatsoever. What a waste of time. What a waste of sweat. All of those precious salts spilled for nothing. It's a waste. God says, I'm going to bring you out from under that. I'm going to bring you out from, from hard labor that doesn't achieve anything. If you turn to Philippians 3, Paul writes about this in his own experience, in his own life. Paul, the kind of the Pharisee supreme. Mr. Israel, AD 39, or whatever it might have been. Uh, a Jewish scholar and a Pharisee. And this is, he begins to, to list all of these things, but basically this was, this was empty. This was work that was hard work that wasn't actually going anywhere. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. It's incredible, isn't it? I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, the Passover lamb. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count myself righteousness, righteous sorry, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ. That's what he says. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. This is a means of us knowing Christ this morning, of not relying on our own works and our own efforts that are empty and pointless, that can never earn... Uh, um, ask God's satisfaction for us we can't achieve it through our own work we do it because God has brought us out he's prepared a way, he's lifted us away from the burdens, you're released this morning from trying to earn yourself into God's good books released you're free from working to try and please God you don't have to do it Jesus has done it in his death the Passover lamb has done it for us Jesus saves us he's worthy of praise secondly it says this says, I have brought you out from under the burdens and I have delivered you from slavery. You know, there's something about being brought out that almost sounds like we can do it with God, a bit of a partnership. But when God says, I delivered you, that's when you know you are powerless. When someone has to deliver you, you are powerless. A letter will sit on the floor and it has got no chance of getting to where it needs to go until someone picks it up and delivers it. Puts it in the right place. We were, we, were, we were like a letter on the floor. We were just useless until God came and picked us up and he delivered us. It's not just about God, us walking up with God. God picked us up and carried us out. He says, I've delivered you from slavery. I've delivered you from living under a life, with a life of oppression. You're no longer slaves to your slave masters. You're no longer under their beck and call. You're no longer a slave to sin. If you turn to Romans 7... Jumping around the Bible a bit today, but I make no apologies for that. Romans 7. Paul writes, and he's kind of wrestling with this whole challenge of of living right and trying to live the way that he knows God wants him to live. And messing up and failing, and even when he does what's right, he ends up doing it wrong. And, And then in verse 21 of Romans 7, he says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me. that is a war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is Paul, I believe, before he's put his faith in Jesus Christ. This is a pre-saved Paul that he's describing. He's describing his battle with sin before he put his trust in Jesus. He's describing how hard it was to, to stay out of sin when he was obeying the law, being this Pharisee, this from the tribe of Benjamin. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? What a leading question. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature I'm a slave to sin. Or because of my flesh I'm a slave to sin. But then he says this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We are freed from the power of sin this morning. God has delivered us. He's brought us out from under the burden of everything that we do, being pointless and useless and of no good to us. And he's brought us away from being enslaved. Where sin calls the shots, now it's this. I am alive in Christ and I am free not to sin. I am able to not sin now. I'm no longer oppressed and enslaved to sin. I'm free because of the work of, the answer is Jesus Christ. Not because I'm trying harder. Not because I've, I've read the Bible and I've memorized loads of it. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. There's nothing wrong with doing our best. But it's all dependent on this. The blood of the lamb being shed. His body being broken. He says, I've brought you from under slavery. I've delivered you from slavery and then thirdly he says this and I've redeemed you with an outstretched arm he's redeemed us this morning you know what redemption speaks of it speaks of something being given you have to give something to redeem it and, and how did God redeem us he gave his son he's bought us at the price that is most valuable the blood of the son of God was shed for us there is there, no more precious a substance than the blood of Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's, uh, it's precious. I, I, we broke bread a little while ago, and it really impacted me how precious the blood of Jesus is. And he shed it for us. And we take this cup this morning, and we take the, the preciousness of the blood of Jesus. I want to talk about what the blood does in a minute, and some of the things that the Bible tells us that the blood of Christ achieves for us this morning. But I'm telling you this, it's precious. He, if you might feel worthless this morning, when you understand that God has bought you with the blood of his son, you have no right to feel without value. You are of utmost value. That he laid his life down for you, that he shed his blood for you. You are valuable in his eyes this morning. We are precious in his eyes this morning. You've, we've been bought at a great price. We've been bought at a great price. We turn to 1 Peter 1. There's power in the blood this morning and I trust that we really take hold of that today. What God wants to administer through this meal. I'm gonna take some uh, bread and wine in a moment. But it says this, verse 18 of 1 Peter 1. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors lives were empty. They were seemingly of no value or worth. And it says the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. You know, these are the most precious material substances that we can think of. And yet he uses the word, that they're not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now has revealed him to you in these last days. It's precious blood. Acts two, Acts twenty twenty eight. Just go back a few. Acts twenty twenty eight. Encouragement to the elders uh, that Paul gives in as he's leaving the uh, the church in Ephesus, and these are some of his parting words. Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood. Purchased with his own blood. God has brought us out from under a burden. God has delivered us from being enslaved and he's bought us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are so blessed this morning. We are so blessed. Jesus is worthy of praise because he saved us. Jesus is powerful, he's brought us out, he reigns. He's precious and he gives our lives value and meaning and worth because he shed his blood for us. If we could bring the table forward, please. Um, If I could ask a couple of guys just to come and bring the table to to this area here. And just start to, uh, we'll, we'll distribute some bread in a moment. Let's just consider what the blood actually does for us this morning before we take the cup and take the bread. In Leviticus 17, they were very strict instructions that they weren't allowed to drink the blood of animals because God said the life was in the blood. So you're not to drink the blood of animals. And yet Jesus says, take my blood. And as we take the cup this morning, there's life for us. The life of Jesus himself is in the, is in the, is in the cup. Could you Would you mind distributing the bread and just... If I could ask you to hold a piece of bread together at the moment. Graham and Becky, would you mind coming in and serving some of the bread? Would that be okay? And Neil and Kim as well, would you mind just coming in to bring some of the bread around? Thank you. If you turn to Matthew 26, please. Verses that we've already just read. Jesus takes the cup. So, Jesus Jesus and his disciples had gone through this process of this meal. Imagine Jesus led this time. He would have have, uh, gathered all the disciples, he would have blessed the cups, he would have blessed the food, he would have washed his hands, he would have broken the bread. Part of it would have been half of the bread would have been taken away. Then they would have, he would have told the story of the Passover. There he was, the fulfillment of this incredible story, telling the story. And him being the, soon to be the fulfillment of the whole thing to his disciples. And they're sitting there still not understanding the fullness of, of everything that Jesus was about to do. I think his disciples are still a bit, none of us still quite understand the fullness of everything that he's done at times. And then they uh, begin to take the second cup and, and then Jesus, they, they start to eat these bitter herbs. And I think it's at that point that Judas is, is pointed out and he leaves. And then they eat together the, the lamb and the meal together. And then the other half of the bread is taken and Jesus begins to break it and give it to his disciples. And we're gonna distribute the bread at this point. And it's at this point that Jesus talks about what he's, what he's come to do. So if you guys would go out and just... If we could hold the bread together this morning and we'll, we'll eat it together. Thank you. And then he, uh, as, he's, as he, he breaks the bread, he blesses it. And he says, take this and eat it. for This is my body. Thank you. And when you take the bread for a moment, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be quiet for a minute and just, just consider the fact that Jesus' body was broken for you and for me this morning, for us. Just in your own heart, say, thank you, Lord, that you laid your body down for me. In your own heart, just express thanksgiving and his willingness to allow his body to be broken this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just to say that we we believe this this is a a meal for people who've put their faith in Jesus. You've given your life to him. This is a meal for, for believers. If you've not done that this morning, then... It's an opportunity to, to give your life to him. But Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. If you've yet to receive bread, if you just raise your hand so that the people who are serving can know where they need to go. Great. Is there anybody else that's not had any bread if you could just make yourself known it's got Mark and Sam and Lisa and Jenny and those guys over there thank you Once you have a piece, if you could hold it, we're going to give thanks together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We want to give you thanks this morning that you allowed your body to be broken for us, Lord, that you laid down your life for us. Even when we were far off. Even when we weren't interested in you, Lord, you died for us. And we want to give you thanks for that this morning. Lord, I pray that as we take this bread, Lord, that you would just reveal to us again how great you are. How worthy you are, Lord. And the incredible work that you did for us on the cross. Amen. Amen. We pour the cups. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, as we take the wine, well, the wine-ish wine, as we take the drink, the cup, firstly, when we take it, we need to understand afresh that our sins are forgiven because of the blood. The blood has brought about the forgiveness of our sins. In John 6, 53, Jesus says that when we take um, his blood, just turn that one up. Because I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. There's a life for us this morning, and that as we eat His flesh and drink His blood, Jesus says that we remain in Him and Him in us. That when we take the cup and we understand the blood means we understand that He's justified us this morning, that He's made us right in God's sight this morning. That is so significant. The blood of Jesus, we are justified. It's not just as if I'd never sinned, but also his righteousness. God sees the righteousness of Christ when he looks on me. Amen. Not that I'm neutral, but that I have his righteousness. I'm clothed in his righteousness this morning. And that scripture in Revelation I read at the beginning there, robes were washed white with the blood. It doesn't make sense for robes to become white when they're washed in blood, but it, we're purified and we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus this morning. Ephesians 1:7 that says that our freedom has been bought by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9:14 says that our consciences are cleansed by the blood of Christ. Hebrews 10:22 says that we're cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. Hebrews 10:19 19, 19 says that it is because of the blood of Christ that we can enter into the most holy place. says that we're sanctified and, and cleaned by the blood. And Revelation 12:11 says that the, the believers overcame by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony, that we overcome by the blood this morning. There's life for us. It says by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. There's wholeness and health for us this morning as we take this cup. We have so much to give thanks for this morning. If I' could ask the musicians to come back to the stage. I'd like for us to sing. Uh, one song that is a song of celebration. It's a song that is very much in keeping with what um, Jesus and his disciples would have sung as they left their Passover meal in Matthew 26 and words that they would have sung every time they met together to celebrate the Passover. I'm going to make sure that there's bread and wine here this morning. And as we're worshiping, feel free to come and to take more bread, more wine from the table. But it says that as Jesus and his disciples left from breaking bread, they, they sang a hymn. And the word there is, is taken from the word hymnio, which means song of the halal. They would have sung the song, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And those are the words that I'd love for us to sing together this morning as we, we close this time and to say please come and take more bread and, and wine we might need some more juice uh, out on the front here at some point but if we could stand to our feet for a moment could you just raise your hand if you've not had um, any wine yet any anything from the cup thanks hillary Up, just a little bit longer, if you not got the not had from the cup yet. Okay. So we've said they they took the first cup and they they broke the bread and gave thanks and then they tell the story and then they drink the second cup and then they'd enjoy the meal, the lamb together and as they drink the third cup they break bread and then lastly they drink the fourth cup and the fourth cup was the part where they would give celebration. They give thanks to God for the fact that he had brought them out from their burdens, that he had delivered them from their slavery, that he had redeemed them, that he bought them at a great price. And then the wonderful truth is this. God says, I will make you my people. We are his people this morning. God says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's what it says in 1 Peter 2 chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation here to reveal the goodness of God this morning to reveal his goodness and his light in the world so we're going to sing our thanks and our praise this morning and I believe that as we've taken this meal in faith that God will minister everything that's needed but for us it's to minister to him and say Lord you're worthy of our praise we give you thanks this morning you are a good God hallelujah Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.